So guess what happened to me this week? I fell in love with this passage. I fell in love with it. The title of this little chunk of scripture, we're going to be reading 1 Corinthians chapter 6, just 12 to 20. So that's eight little verses. The title of this little chunk of scripture in my Bible is actually um, sexual immorality. And I thought that that's what I would have to preach on. And I was filled with a degree of heaviness about that. But that's not what this passage is primarily about. This passage offers a Christian understanding of the body. How are people who have been lovingly created by God supposed to think about their body? How are people who have been saved by Jesus Christ supposed to think about their body? How are people who have the Holy Spirit living in them supposed to think about their body? I fell in love with this passage because it is rich and true and deep and lays the rock-solid Christian foundation on how we are to think about these bodies. Let's give it a read. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse 12. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with the prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, here is where we are. You can put up that map, Hetty. Thank you. Corinth was a city in the Roman Empire. There's not a circle around it, but it's up on this side. Corinth. You'll see the dot right there. It's a city in the Roman Empire, so bring to mind images you have of this period of time, like Caesar, togas, slaves bustling marketplaces, stadiums for gladiator fights, and temples for worshiping a pantheon of pagan gods. Corinth was a new city at the time that this letter was written, but it was growing rapidly as an increasingly important hub for trade. It was filled with entrepreneurs and upstarts, 
people wanting to get in on the action, people coming and going on cargo ships passing from east to west, west to east. As a result, Corinth was a work hard all day, party hard all night kind of place. Think blend of New York City and Las Vegas, which David and I have said before. So that's where we are. Now, what's happening? In the midst of the hustle and bustle and party of Corinth, there was a small community of Christians. These were people who heard the gospel through the Apostle Paul and put their faith in Jesus Christ. But as time goes on, some problems develop in their little church. And the Apostle Paul, who has since moved on to preach the gospel elsewhere, he writes 1 Corinthians, a letter to address these problems. And the problem that he addresses in today's passage is sexual sin. To be more specific, some of the Christians in Corinth have been engaging the local prostitution business. Buying sex would have been completely normal and acceptable in the ancient Roman Empire. We can assume that some of the people in Corinth who became Christians would have been participating in the sex trade prior to that point. The issue is that some are continuing to do this even though they are now following Jesus. Please note with me that the response to this situation in the church is not, first of all, a list of do's and don'ts nor is it a suggestion of strategies on how to break old habits. The response is to give them truth, the truth about the body. The problem you see is deeper than wrong choices or bad behavior. The problem is actually in their minds. They don't even know what they're doing is wrong. They haven't applied the gospel to their sexual choices. They haven't learned how to think like a Christian when it comes to their bodies. Think of this passage like a crash course on how to think about the body from a Christian point of view. We have one big idea, and then we get four supporting points. I'm going to walk through the passage, and I'm going to point each of these things out. So let's get started. Christian Body Basics 101, the big idea. The body is meant for the Lord. Right out of the gate, Paul gives us this big idea, the main thing, the theme, the thesis, the crux, the heart of it. When you walk out of worship today, I would love to have you chanting this, actually. Verse 13 reads, You say... Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Evidently, there's a slogan in Corinth which captures their current way of thinking about the body. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food. In other words... Natural appetites are just natural appetites. The stomach gets hungry, so you feed it. It's just natural. 
In the same way, the body desires sex, so you do it. It's just natural. Natural appetites are just natural appetites. Furthermore, natural things just aren't as important as spiritual things. One day, as the Corinthian slogan goes, God will just destroy them both. Food is temporary. Stomachs are temporary. Bodies are temporary. They aren't eternal. Therefore, they aren't significant. Don't overthink it. Don't sweat it. It's one's faith life that's most important. It's one's heart. It's one's relationship with God that matters most. Body stuff is lower tier. The stomach is made for food. The body is just made for sex. It's natural. And the natural is insignificant. Having laid all that out there, Paul says, y'all, that's how Corinth thinks. Think like a Christian. Think like a Christian. Christians think differently. Christians don't say food for the stomach and the stomach for food. They say, actually, the body is meant for the Lord. Christians don't say or think to themselves, it's natural, so no big deal. Christians think to themselves, the body is meant for the Lord. Do we hunger for food? Yes. Do we desire sex? Yes. God designed our bodies this way, and he did an amazing job. But our body's natural appetites don't dictate our body's ultimate purpose. They are part of our bodies, but they don't tell us what our body is meant for. Our bodies have a higher purpose, a purpose rooted in God. The body is meant for the Lord. That is the Christian slogan. Make that into a sticker. Print that on a t-shirt. The body is meant for the Lord. That's our big idea. And Paul makes this claim. He puts that big idea out there because Christianity has a lot to do with our bodies. So many aspects of the gospel involve our bodies. And he lays it out for us. Body Basics 101, supporting point number one. Just so you know, our bodies will be raised our bodies will be raised. A common retelling of the gospel goes something like this. Human beings are sinners, but because God loved us, he sent his son Jesus, who died on the cross, paying the price for our sins in order that we might be forgiven. Period. This way of explaining the gospel is absolutely true, but it is somewhat incomplete. Verse 14 completes the picture. By his power, God raised the Lord Jesus from the dead, and he will also raise us. God didn't send Jesus only so that you could be forgiven, as good as that is. God sent Jesus so that he could raise you from the dead. 
so that you could be alive with him forever. Just as God raised Jesus, body and all, so God will raise us, body and all. This is the gospel. This is the plan. This is our future. As Christians, our destiny is nothing less than an indescribable, unimaginable, unbelievably glorious, unending life with God. And you better believe it includes our bodies. I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. So the creed goes. Christians have been declaring this for centuries. The body? Yes, our bodies. These old, tired bodies. These rickety, fragile bodies. These marked and messy bodies. These warm, beautiful, blessed bodies. These fearfully and wonderfully made bodies. And if we will be raised then what we do with our bodies here and now matters so much. Oh, it matters. It isn't nothing. This body isn't nothing. It has been made, and it is destined for glory. So you see, the body is meant for the Lord. Body Basics 101, second supporting point. Our bodies are members of Christ. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? This is verse 15. Something very special happens when we become Christians. It's not as simple as, oh, now I have the experience of faith inside my heart. When we become Christians, we become bound to Jesus attached to him, secured to him, joined to him, united to him. The way that Paul describes this, the reality of this union is by saying we are members of Christ. To be a member of Christ is not like being a member of a ski club. It is not like being a participant in some sort of association. The word is much stronger than that. It's more like how a body part is a member of a body. Get this, you are a limb of Christ. You are an organ of Christ. You are vitally, securely attached. So much so that you are in him and he is in you. It's like you are him. His righteousness is your righteousness. His death is your death. His resurrection is your resurrection. His power is your power. His purposes are your purposes. Okay? Our bodies are members of Christ. <laughs> this is the image of being a Christian. Now, because of this union, all sinful behavior is wrong for a member of Christ right? Sin of any sort isn't fitting for one who is united to Jesus in this way. But this is particularly um, clear and poignant when it comes to sexual sin. 
Not that sexual sin is more wrong than any other sin. It is not. But there's a poignancy, there's a poignancy to sexual sin for this reason. God created sex itself to be a special kind of union. Now, it may not look that way. It may not feel that way. It may not be what the science textbook says about it. But the Bible teaches that sex itself is a special, powerful joining together of a man and a woman meant to represent the union of marriage, build the union of marriage, and point beyond itself to the greater and better union that exists between God and his people. So to engage in sex outside of God's intentions for it is akin to lopping off a limb of Christ and seeking to reattach it elsewhere. It doesn't work. It's not meant to be. It isn't right. So let's not dare to think it's just natural, it's no big deal. You are a member of Christ. You are already part of a union. Your body is united to him. So you see, the body is meant for the Lord. Body Basics 101, third supporting point. Our bodies are filled with the Spirit. Verse 19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Your body is a house for the Holy Spirit. I like saying that, house for the Holy Spirit. When you are a Christian, not only are, are you a member of Christ Jesus himself, but God's own spirit comes to live in you. Let me repeat. God isn't in a church building waiting for you to show up on a Sunday morning and hoping you do. God isn't in a book speaking to you from it. God isn't just above you to receive your prayers or beside you to keep you company or perched on your shoulder to, to whisper direction and guidance. God is in you. He resides in your body. It's his house. Part of the Corinthian way of thinking was that because the body is physical, it's just less important. It's spiritual things that matter. Paul says, do not miss what is obvious. Sure, the body is physical, but it has huge significance precisely because it is the physical house of the Holy Spirit. We take care of a house because of the family that lives in it. We take care of a church because the Christian community gathers there. We take care of our bodies and do what is right and good with them because it is the residence of the Holy Spirit. So you see again, the body is meant for the Lord. Body Basics 101, our final supporting point. Our bodies actually are owned by God. You are not your own, verse 20 says. You were bought with a price. The background to this little verse 
is the slave trade in the Roman Empire, which the Corinthian church would have been very familiar with. There was a whole class of people without resources that were continually put up for sale, purchased, traded in the marketplace to service the homes and villas and estates of wealthier people. Paul takes that image and he makes this final point about the body and how we're supposed to think about it. You were purchased, he says. You were bought. You were poor, and you were weak, and you were stuck, and you were owned by the cruel masters of sin and death and the devil. But God saw you there in your misery and monotony with no love, no hope, no future, and he wanted you for himself. So he traded his own son to get you. The price was his blood. So he could have you. You were bought. Now God did not buy you to let you make your own way through life. No. He bought you out of the house you were in to have you in his house. He bought you away from your old master so that he could be your master. He bought you from the one you were serving so that you could serve him. And amazingly, this is not something to be afraid of, but to rejoice in. The Bible teaches that God is a good, good master, full of righteousness, full of justice, fair, merciful, caring, wise. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. In other words, you have a new master. You are owned by him. Your body is owned by him. So you see, the body is meant for the Lord. Having laid out the basics of Christian thinking on the body, we get two itty-bitty instructions. For if it's true, which it is, that the body is meant for the Lord because it will be raised, because it is a member of Christ, because the Spirit is in it, and because it is owned by God, then these instructions all of a sudden don't feel foreign or random, but actually feel quite obvious. They just grow naturally out of these foundational truths. We get flee from sexual immorality, and we get honor God with your bodies. These instructions are two sides of the exact same coin. Given that the body is meant for the Lord, we are people who flee from sexual immorality. We run away from certain behaviors. We avoid them. We don't do them. But on the flip side, given that the body is meant for the Lord, right? we are people who honor God with our bodies. It's not all just avoidance. We do certain things. We take on certain activities so that our bodies are actively glorifying God. When I think of the fleeing side of things, I think of Dave. He smoked for many years and was addicted to nicotine, etc., and all that comes with that. After numerous failed attempts to avoid cigarettes, he was finally able to do it by literally 
running away from the temptation. He took on jogging. And he kept his shoes handy so that when he felt the desire to smoke, he would lace up and he would run. He would run. The body is meant for the Lord. When I think of the honoring God side of things, right, this taking on certain behaviors, I think of a dear young friend from years back who bravely sought my help to deal with a porn addiction. She realized that she was most vulnerable when she was bored and or lonely. And part of her recovery involved actively adding meaningful body activity to fill her usual bored and lonely times. She made a list, and she did it. Get a job walking neighbor's dogs after school. Fold laundry with mom in the evenings. Join a Saturday sports league. Cook a yummy dinner on Sunday afternoons and invite my friends to share it with me on Sunday nights. The body is meant for the Lord. People of God, here we are. What about you? What about you? How do you think about your body? What do you believe about your body? Have you learned to apply the whole of the gospel to it? Have you learned to think like a Christian about it? Our bodies, friends, our bodies are meant for the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. And we pray, O oh God, that this truth that we have heard would actually sink deep into our hearts and not only to just hang out there, Lord, but to renew our mind, to renew our thinking, Lord, so that we can think rightly about you and who you are, so that we can think rightly about these bodies that you have given us, and so that we can make our choices about our actions in ways that are deeply rooted in this, your powerful and good truth for us. Lord, this way of seeing our bodies and thinking about our bodies, I just feel very aware right now that this is very different than the Corinthian way of thinking. This is very different than the way the world thinks about our bodies. And so I just pray, Jesus, that you would take us as a small church here in Alliston, take us by the hand, Lord, and continue to um, protect us and to refine us and to mature us that we can hold to these truths and live accordingly for your glory together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're going to respond with the song, take my life and let it be. There is not a verse that explicitly says, take my body. But I would like us to sing it together with that in mind. Let's recommit 
rededicate our whole selves, including our bodies, to God.